Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. Today is about love. It's about understanding who God is. It's about understanding what does that mean for your life. It's about understanding why is that even important. Because on Valentine's Day and and in February, things get really twisted, get all confusing about how to celebrate, why to celebrate, what's a good way to celebrate. Am I celebrating enough? Am I not celebrating enough? Am I giving the right gift? Am I not giving the right gift? I don't have anybody to celebrate with. Or the person I want to celebrate with is no longer with me, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So today I want to unpack that and I want to start with a story. That is for older men. I like it because they all got beards. These guys are my kind of guys. The story, and many of you, some of you may have heard this story. It goes something like this. There were four older men, all with white beards, that showed up at the front door of a small house on some faraway road secluded. The woman of the home approaches the house and sees these four men there. They look tired. They look hungry. She says, you must be famished. Can I invite you in for something to eat? The four men look, and one of them speaks up and says, is the man of the house home? She says, no, not yet. He's still at work. They say, well, then we may not enter. So they stay out front. She goes in the house, and she's wondering who they are. The husband, later that evening, finally arrives. And the husband says, what's going on with those guys outside? Invite them in. And so she goes back outside and says, my husband is now home. Would you want to come in for a meal? And they say, no, we cannot go in together. And she says, wow, that's interesting. Why not? And the one gentleman says, well, you see, my name is Wealth. And my friend here, his name is Success. And next to him is Blessing. And the other gentleman in the rear, his name is Love. Go back into your home, discuss with your husband whom you'd like to invite in. So she turns around, she walks in, she explains this to her husband, her husband immediately becomes overjoyed. Wow, they're all in front of my house. Of course we're gonna invite wealth in. Finally, we can have all that we've ever wanted. And the wife says, are you sure? A little success would be nice. And I could always use an extra blessing. And so as they're deliberating, There's a daughter who overhears the conversation, no bigger than the little one that walked in here, laughing and giggling. And she says, Mommy, Daddy, how about love? Let's invite love in. Then our home will be filled with love. The mom and dad come to their senses as they do when they listen to their children. And they say, surely we'll invite love in. So the wife goes outside and says, gentlemen, 
We've talked about it. And we'd like to invite love in our home this evening. Love stands up, begins to walk to the door. And the other three men stand up and begin to follow. And she says, I'm so confused. I thought I could only invite one of you in. And the man says, if you had invited anyone else in, we would have stayed outside. But since you invited love, we always follow. Do you see, love brought them there and they followed. Love, when invited into your home, into your life, things follow. When you love your job, success will follow. When you love your family, blessings will follow. When you love stewardship and diligence and budgeting, finances will follow. You see, when you love on yourself and when you allow God to love on you, all these things will follow. Yes, you, you, you see, amen. The Bible says that he will give us life and that more abundantly. It says to love the Father and seek him first and all these things in the world that we always saw after will follow. The Bible says this. It's in 1 John 3, verse 1. It says, see how very much our Father loves us for he calls us his children and that is what we are. Do you understand today that you are God's children? You are God's children. Not later, not in the future. You are God's children right now. This, regardless of who you are, regardless of how much you know about God, regardless of what you think about him, what experience you've had with him in the past, you are his child and he loves you. He loves you. And look at this verse. It says, not only does he call us our children, let's get excited about it because we are his children. And then the verse follows, but the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. You see, look, look, look. God loves everyone. Every single human being, every age, every race, every gender, every single living soul past present and future he loves them but not everybody's feeling it not everybody gets it not everybody understands it hey i fall into that category sometimes but the difference between understanding and feeling it is very simple it's that word right there on the screen recognize you see love is a matter of perspective it's not just true that god loves you we need to know that he loves us and see, today, you either recognize that you're part of the world and everything that you are seeking for, wealth, success, blessing, or otherwise, or you're part of his family and you allow him to love on you. Are you following what I'm saying, church? So I'm going to say it like this, because I think this is the most compelling way to do so. Today, I want you to realize that you are seen. You are not an anomaly. You are not somewhere in the back where we can't see you. As a matter of fact, I see my brother, and he just rolled in in the back. Un Uncle AJ is back there. He's in the wheelchair. And Uncle AJ, I'm so thankful that you came to service today. Amen. You were seen, brother. And some of you that came to Valentine's Day dinner today, you were seen. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. 
Some of you who've been in church forever, Brother Allen, I see you. I see you, Miss Lillian. I see you, Lee. I see you, Chuck. I see you, Jay. There's many of you here that I see, but it's not me who needs to see you. Do you see God sees you? He sees you when you wake up. He sees you when you go to sleep. He more than sees you. He sees right through you. He knows you. There's no hiding from God. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you want. He knows what motivates you. He knows when you know that's not what you should be doing and you do it anyway. He sees that and he knows that. God knows that. And despite all of that, he still loves you. He loves you. He loves you more than the person sitting next to you. He loves you more than I do. He loves you more than your children. He loves you more than your parents. All of those people know you a little bit, and they're getting to know you each day and every day, but God knows you completely. God knows you entirely, and he loves you, and he wants the best for you. And because he loves us, he wants us to love one another. So what we're going to do here in five seconds is I want you to stand, and I want you to just go greet someone. I want you to say, God loves you. Do it now. Stand, go say hi to someone. You can take a couple minutes. It's totally okay. I want you to get off your pew and say, God loves you. Anybody, somebody, anybody, God loves you. You are seen. You are known. God loves you. Woohoo! God loves me too. Amen. So now let's talk about the question for today. What do you like to brag about? What do you like to brag about? Everybody likes to brag about something. It comes natural, some more than others. You can spend five seconds on YouTube and begin to see what people brag about, whether it's the new iPhone X or a new clothing style or a makeup style or a home or a car or what have you. People like to brag. And in the context today of love, it's fun sometimes, or people like to brag about who they love. When you have babies, it's so wonderful. And this, by the way, is a church full of babies. Hey, let me tell you that quick story. I, I need to tell you a quick story. I got a lot of things going through my mind. It's a quick story. When I took the opportunity to raise my hand when God said, you need to be a pastor, and I came and took the pulpit, I thought to myself, man, we need to get some young families in here. And I said to the board, we need to prepare for some babies. And they said, we don't have any babies. I said, I don't know. We need to prepare for them. We need to pray for them. So we started praying. You talk about God answering prayers? Babies are everywhere. All of y'all started having babies. There's twins here, twins there, twins over there. You have a baby. You have a baby. Babies are everywhere. If you want a baby, come talk to me. We know the prayer. I, I, I know. And I'm serious. I'm serious about that. You know, we had a family who I met a couple months ago. Right here, we were talking, and, and they had been trying for, I don't know, uh, two years. And, and they came to Kingsway, and it wasn't at Kingsway. They came to Kingsway to announce that they were having a baby. I'm telling you, this church is full of life. And love makes us feel these incredible emotions. And it's fun to say, you know, how beautiful your baby is or how wonderful your baby is or how, you know, how you feel when your baby grabs your finger. How does that make you feel? That's worth bragging about, right? Or, or how your baby must feel in that picture. You know, we love to brag about our children. Our children are so kind. They're so helpful. Our children are so loving. Really? Go, we got tons of them. We have so many of them. We had to split up. A toddler room is over there and a toddler room is over there because of some of them aren't so kind and loving. 
But we brag about them anyway. We love our children. And it's, it's fun to brag on our children how great they are. Or maybe if they're good at sports, you know, what their statistics are and how great they can do this or how great they can do that. Sports gets into our system when it comes to love. We love to brag about sports. If you have any question about this, turn on the news. You'll see Philly fans all across the world celebrating and bragging about how much they love their team. And I can get on board with this. If, I, if I'm not uh, bragging about how great Philly is, I'm bragging about how I'm so glad New England lost. Sorry for you New England fans. But it's fun to brag about what you love. Now look, sometimes, by the way, it can get a little silly. No better example than Philly itself. Love can make us do some silly things. This guy's bragging so much, he's up on a light. You see, bragging about love will impact your life. Bragging about anything else, it may impact your life insofar as somebody may tell you to shut up. I don't care care about that watch. I don't care about your new job. I don't care. But bragging about love will impact your life. In this case, it impacted this guy so much and, and a lot of the fans of Philly that they started tearing down their city. So Lord help them. But you see my point that love can move you to tremendous feats. Love. You know, I think before I continue, since this is about Valentine's Day Listen to the rain. It's, it's such a, a great, quiet mood today. And I'm going to be talking a lot about love, and I'm going to be talking about Valentine's Day. I need to pause for a second and tell you that, yes, you guys know I love the Lord, but I love my wife more than anyone on the face of the earth. And I am so thankful that my wife stands with me at church and helps support me and helps me get through these messages and helps me do all the things that we need to do. Believe me, I could not do it without her. There's not a Saturday that doesn't go by that I say, this message stinks. I'm not preaching it. And, and she helps me make it better. And so I wanted to thank her. And I was thinking of her when I put this together because I just want to hug her and squeeze her. And I'd much rather be doing that than up here in front of all y'all. But I do it because God asked me to. So I'm going to continue. So I talk about my life. I think about my wife. And I think about Valentine's Day. I'm often reminded of the infamous Valentine's Day. I may have shared this with you sometimes, so I'm gonna share with all of you for your benefit so none of you will go through what I did, which is very simple. You wake up the day or so before Valentine's Day, this time it's during the week, so maybe this weekend you're thinking about it, and then you have this discussion about what are we doing? What are we buying? And then you come to your senses and say, well, I love you, I don't need to buy anything for you. You know how much I love you, right? We have all had this conversation, and she says, yeah, I think that's great. We don't need to spend a lot of money. Maybe we'll do a dinner or something and can love on each other and tell each other how much we love. I'm like, great, excellent, I can do that. So there we go to dinner and we have a nice dinner and, you know, it costs money, right? So I'm thinking, that's wonderful. You know, I spent some money on her. She knows I love her. I know she loves me. You know, we go home to have a nice night and then we're in bed and I thought everything was great. And she leans over to her side of the bed, opens up her drawer. What? And you know the look on my face when she pulls out something. It doesn't matter what it is. At this point, it's a card. And she hands to me, and I go stone cold white. Because you know what I know. I don't have Jack. And I say, before I even look at the card, honey, please don't give that to me. No, no. I don't have something for you. And of course, she says, oh, it's okay. I want to give you this card. It's something special. It's important to me. I want to tell you how much I love you. No, you tell me. You don't show me. Just tell me. She gives me the card. And then, of course, 
You know, I go on reciting some poem I come up with and thinking the tears running down her face were because of how poetic I was, coming to the conclusion that she's like, you didn't get me a card, did you? So anytime you agree with your special someone not to buy each other something, please get them a card. But I'm, I've learned as a pastor now. I'm not so much a young buck. I got gray hair, you know, there's a four in my number. So I'm learning. I'm learning. And so I got something special for all of you. See, I got my Valentine's Day card in my pocket. I am ready to go. If she's going to whip hers out, I got mine. So what, what I'm telling you all now is I want to make sure you don't make the same mistake. So we, Kingsway, we have a card for every single person here. If you haven't received one, go out in the lobby and get one. The card is, is generally a blank card. It's, it, it has maybe a Bible verse on it or it says God loves you. You can write something on there to your special someone about how much you love them and how God sent them into your life and how you're soulmates. You can do all that. How you finish each other's sentences. You can say that. Or, or if it's, maybe it's for your mother or maybe it's for your father. If a spouse has passed away, maybe you want to just send them a card and say, I love you. Or maybe it's for a neighbor. Or maybe it's for somebody at work. Give it to anyone you want. Just give the card away. Look, you don't even have to write anything in it. It's that kind of card that you could just write on there. God loves you or happy Valentine's Day and give the card away. We bought more than 100, so there's plenty out there. Grab yourself a card. Amen? Amen. See, it's not enough that I just love my wife. That's not enough. That's not enough that I love my wife. Listen to me, it's not enough. She must know that I love her. The Bible even says this. It doesn't say the truth will set you free. It says you must know the truth and the truth will set you free. My wife must know I love her. I must feel the love and show her the love. You understand, church? And so bragging about love, well, that gets tricky because you see that's where I'm going, but it gets tricky to brag about love. Anyone who has been through the cycle of life, and I know some of you, we have some older generation here, we have some middle-agers, and we have some, some people who are married, and even the young adults, but all of you have been through relationships when you were younger, and you knew that it was a little harder to brag about love. You know, you weren't really sure when to say I love you. When they said I love you, do I say it back? Is it time to say I love you now? Should we wait a little longer? Do you say I love you too soon? Bragging about love gets a little difficult, so I have a little video to remind us how funny it can be. Can you turn the volume up? Okay, babe, I'll talk to you later. Yeah. All right, talk to you tomorrow then. I love you. Hello? I'm still waiting. You don't love me? You're not gonna say it back? Hello? Are you not gonna say it back? Yeah, uh, give me one second. You're not gonna say I love you back? Yeah, hold on one second. Babe, I love you too. Okay. You love you, babe. Good night. Not sure when to brag about love. That video, we can all relate to that video. We all can remember a time or think of a time or, or recognize that there is a time when it's uncomfortable to say I love you in public. Even now, right, if I'm out with my friends and I'm talking, they don't want to hear what I have to say about my wife. They, they want me to hang out with them. It, it can get hard to brag about 
love. Friends can shame you into not bragging about love. So if you understand that this is just human nature, this is what's inside each and one of us, I have a question for you. Does the same thing happen with God? Do you want, are you capable of bragging about your love for God in public? God is constantly telling you he loves you. We remind ourselves at dinner when, or when we're making lunch or, or we're eating food, we want to pray, but sometimes that's uncomfortable. Or maybe we meet somebody at work and you know the Lord has just healed you from the flu or healed you from some disease or healed you from some, some virus and you're at work and there's a coworker who's clearly not feeling well. Can you brag about your love then? Hey, look, God loves you. He wants to help you through this. Let me pray for you. Or does it become hard to brag? about your love? Will you publicly acknowledge it? Okay, so as I thought about this, I want to go to the Bible now. It's church. We use the Bible. I want to go to it. Now, here's what I think is funny about the Bible. If you talk to most people who don't go to church, who aren't professing Christians, who are of the world, as you said, and of the world means they don't know God. That's what that verse said before. They don't know God, and so they're of the world. So if you're of the world and you don't know God, and you ask them, what does the Bible say? And you should do this, by the way. You should have conversations with your friends and say, hey, where do you go to church? I don't go to church. Okay, what do you think the Bible says? They will probably, nine out of ten people who don't go to church and don't know God will say, the Bible talks about the Ten Commandments. And they may even know a few. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not, what does it say, covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not lie right? It becomes a set of rules and regulations, laws. This is, in fact, the law of God, it's called. Here's what I find interesting. To that person, if I said, what does the Bible say about love? They would think about it for a second. They would think over the Ten Commandments, and then they would come to a quick conclusion. The Bible doesn't say anything about love, because in none of those commandments do we learn anything about how to love. In those commandments, I don't learn how to love my children, I don't learn how to love my spouse, how to listen to her. I don't learn how to, to compromise with her. I don't learn how to comfort her. In none of those commandments does it teach me how to love. Are you following me, church? And that is the difference between the Old Testament, the law, and the New Testament, the love. It says that God so loved the world. You see, if you ask somebody now who has at least gone to church once, has gone to church at least once, and you ask them, what does the Bible say? More than likely, that person is going to say, oh, it's about Jesus. And that is good for churches in America. At least we got that right. The Bible's about Jesus. Yeah, and you say, well, do you know any Bible verses? They'll generally say, I know one. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, or he gave his only son, Jesus, to die for me. You see, the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the New Testament talks about love. It talks about this guy named Jesus. It talks about this guy named God the Father who loved us to give his son, Jesus. Then Jesus came to earth to love us some more. And that is the difference between the Old Testament, the law, and the New Testament, the love. So now I want to ask you this. Since we have so many experts in here, what is love? What is love? What is real love? If I told you that there was a quote 
that defined what real love is, would you be interested? Would you want to hear it? Now, I could give you parables. I could give you ancient wisdom. I could read all sorts of things. But today, because we're in church, I'm going to read you a verse that tells you what real love is. Would you be interested to see it? It's in 1 John, verse 10 of chapter 4. It actually begins with, this is real love. This is real love. Now, I want you, before I read any more, think about what your definition of real love is. Not the characteristics of love. That's in 1 Corinthians. Things like it's not boastful, keeps no records of wrongs, it's kind, it's gentle. Those are characteristics of love. They let you identify, but that's not love. What is real love? Okay, now that you have it in your head, you're going to be blown away by the first part of this verse. Because the first part of this verse says, real love is not that you love God. Real love is not that you love God. Because we want to hear that in churches all the time. Come to church and show how much you love God. I love God so much. I can sing the loudest. I can dance the fastest. I can clap the bestest. Right? We have the best lights or the best smoke or the best energy or the best words or the best whatever to show how much we love God. But yet, 1 John tells us so clear, it has nothing to do with how much you love God. So what is real love? This is very important before I continue. Real love has nothing to do with you or me. Real love we are not capable of. You see, real love is something that is eternal. We as human beings, we are temporal. We often get love wrong. Even the people we love the most, we end up hurting the most. Real love is not about hurting those that we care about the most. Real love has been demonstrated very clearly in the scriptures. In fact, it's the only religion that defines love this way because God is love. So he explains real love as this. The rest of the verse says, but it is that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Real love is the fact that God loves us. We got one clapper. I got a couple more. I want you to get a hold of that for a second. I want you to get a hold of that for a second. God loved us so much. He loved us so much that he took his son his own son, and sent him down to love on us and then to sacrifice for us. Think about how much he must love us to send his son to sacrifice for us. So as you're getting your head around that, I need to point out some things about the scripture that are very profound. Number one, God loved us and sent his son for us, independent of our love, before we ever loved him. Do you understand that God loves you before you ever decided you were going to love him? Before anything you ever did? Before any conclusions, any theology, any philosophy, any really bright intellectual thoughts you came up with? He loved you before all that. He loved you despite all that. Even if all of your logic tells you that God doesn't exist and he's not good and he's not happy and he doesn't love me, he still loves you. You see, despite anything you had to do, he loves you. You cannot affect God's love. He loves you that much. And here is what's even better. Notice that when he loved us, he says, to take away our sins. He loved you knowing full well you are a sinner. He doesn't just love the good church people. They're sinners too. 
He doesn't love the people out on the street who haven't figured it out, who are trying to hustle. They, we would say, are in sin. The Lord loves them as well. Do you see? You understand that he knows we're sinners. He knows we're caught up in sin, and yet he loves us anyway. And here is the rub, and maybe this will be even more clear to you. The Bible's clear about sin. It says that we cannot remove our sin without the shedding of blood. But not just any blood. Like, I can't kill this guy to remove my own sin. In fact, that'll create more sin. So the only way I can remove my sin is to have blood from um, a, a pure lamb. So one way God could have written this verse is, he loved us so much that when you sin, he sent down from heaven a pure lamb and put it in front of your house for you to sacrifice. It could have said that, but it didn't. It said he sent his son. Why is this important? One word. That word says overpayment. Overpayment. What does this mean? This means that God loved you so much, he wanted to show off his love for you by overpaying your debt. He wanted to make sure your debt was so paid off that there would be some left over. Let me explain it like this. We have a roof problem and an air-conditioned heating problem. It's very expensive. About $200,000 to fix everything, and we're $100,000 short, just in case you're wondering. And this is as if, let's take Brother Chuck right here. God blesses his business, which he will. God pours into his business, which he will. God gives him great finances, which he will. And Chuck has so much in his bank account that he wants to come bless us. And he comes to see Pastor Sean, how much is the roof debt? Now, we don't actually have debt, but if we took out a loan, we would. I would say, well, I went to the bank. I took out $100,000, Brother Chuck. He's like, it's $100,000. Yeah, I took out $100,000. He goes to the bank, and this is what it's like. He goes to the bank, says, Mr. Loan Officer, do you know these guys at Kingsway? Yeah, we know them at Kingsway. I love them a lot, and I want to pay their debt. Well, it's $100,000, sir. No problem. Here's a million. Extra zero. You got that? It's a million-dollar check. Well, sir, you know, this is way more. Keep the money. Charity, whatever. Do whatever you got to do with it. I just love these guys so much. Do you see the point? It is overpayment. Jesus Christ died for us because there needed to be some left over. There is so much love that God has for you today that he wants to show it off. Are you following me, church? The Bible says it like this. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also freely give us everything else? Read that. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave up for us, won't he also give us everything else? The theory is this. It's very, very simple. If the Lord doesn't give you healing today, then he's saying that healing is more important than his son. It's more valuable than his son. If the Lord doesn't help restore you today, he's saying restoration is more valuable than my son. If the Lord doesn't meet your need today, if the Lord doesn't provide for you today, if the Lord doesn't inspire you today, all of those things would be counted as more valuable than his son. If his Lord God considers his son the most valuable thing on the entire universe and he gave you his son, how can he possibly withhold anything else from you? He can't and he won't 
The issue is not him, it's us. Do we recognize his love for us? Do we recognize how much he loves us, church? Look, the point here is are you boasting of your love or are you boasting of his love? Are you boasting of your love? And I talked about this last week with Peter and John. Peter goes around talking about how much he loves God. I love you so much. I love you so much. I love you so much. And what did that end up happening? I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. He denied God three times. But then there's John who's hanging and sitting on Peter. I mean, hanging and sitting on Jesus, laying on Jesus, loving on Jesus, saying, I'm the disciple Jesus loved the most. He's bragging about how much Jesus loves him. It's kind of like this. It's like being in public and not bragging about how much you love your spouse, but how much they love you. It's like saying, I got the best wife in the world. She loves me so much. She loves me more than your wife loves you. My wife loves me more than anyone. You know, if you do this in public with your wife or with your husband or with your spouse, it'll make them feel real good, by the way. It'll make them feel real good. Ah, oh, she's so special because of this. She loves me so much because of that. You see, our love, though, it's temporal. If I brag about my wife's love, if I brag about how much uh, my kids love me, eventually they'll get mad at me and, and I'm terrible and they don't want to be around me anymore. Do you see? Like, love here for humans is temporal. God's love is eternal. And it will motivate you to do some amazing things if you can just get a hold of how much he loves you. You know, what about all those sports players that say, I did this for mom because she loved me so much. It pushed me through the hardest times. I did this for mom. I did this for so-and-so. It will motivate you to do some amazing things. I have another story for you I want to share. This is a great story. Anybody know who this guy is? Oh, that's it. This is Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant is undoubtedly one of the best basketball players of all times. Kobe Bryant has broken tons of records. He's won tons of games, many championships. Many people debate, is he better than Michael Jordan? Or is Michael Jordan better than him? This debate goes on and on and on. I want to tell you a quick story about Kobe Bryant. He played many, 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 many years with many teams, and then on his Last year, his team was awful. They were second worst in all the NBA. And he's playing, and he's doing his job to lead a team, but he just weren't winning many games. And then you get to the very end, his very last game, the last game he'll ever play of basketball. He announced he was retiring, and he is exhausted. His team is exhausted. He feels incapable of playing. He goes on public record saying, I got nothing left in the tank. My legs are exhausted. He goes home to tell his wife and says, I just can't do it. And the fact that he loved basketball wasn't pushing him through the last and final leg. And so you know what happened? His wife. His wife dearly loved him. Loved him more than basketball. Wanted to inspire him. So his wife... Through the, the course of this last series, she went into a room in the house and she had set this up unbeknownst to him. And she walked him into this room and showed it to Kobe Bryant. And in this room, there were all these jerseys, all these jerseys from all these famous players like Larry Bird and, and Michael Jordan and some of the greatest that have ever played, Shaquille O'Neal. And all these jerseys were signed. She got them all signed by the player talking about how much they love Kobe Bryant and what he did for basketball. 
And when he saw that, he went on record saying, when I saw the love my wife had for me and all these other players had for me, it caught another gear. And he said he went in there and said he was going to turn it up. He went into his last game exhausted with nothing to offer and ended up scoring 60 points. Do you realize that there's only a few people in history that have ever done it? He then did it for the sixth time. He actually beat Michael Jordan for the most 60-point games on his very last game, exhausted, merely because he felt the love. And this is in the world. Imagine what you could do when you get a hold of how much God loves you. This is not being inspired by the love that is within. That will fail. You will feel bad about yourself days in and days out. Sometimes your spouse will feel bad about you. You will feel bad about your children. And yeah, that happens because we're human. But God's love never fails. It never changes. It never runs out, as Amber said earlier. Your bank account will run out. Your energy will run out. Your passion will run out. God's love will never run out. I'm closing with this, church. You are seen. You are known. You are loved. Lots of people see you. In public. Maybe in private. People at work, your neighbors, your community, in the store. And they come to all sorts of conclusions with one look. Maybe they're judgmental. Maybe they give you a look back that you don't like. You see, we're all seen. And some of us would maybe prefer not to be. And when we go home, we sometimes wonder, does anyone know us? You are known today. You are known today. Even this moment, in this service, we're getting to know you. And if you come back again, we'll get to know you a little more. And many see you, but only some actually know you. Your mom, your dad, your children, maybe your spouse. But even fewer actually love you deeply, truly, with a real love. And some people, after they know you, they end up despising you. Satan, in fact, he sees you, he knows you, and he hates you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to use all of your weaknesses against you. He wants you to not experience this world the way that God wants you to. He wants you to experience this world in the darkness, in the struggle, in the pain, in the torment. And he goes out of his way to make you feel that way day in and day out. And God is up here saying, I want to go out of my way to show you the light. I want to go out of my way to restore, renew. I want to go out of my way to love you. And with that love comes all these other things. God loves you that much, church. You got to get a hold of That's why we are belaboring this point so much. Let me say it this way. In my house, I think my mom started saying this. We say to our kids often, I love you. And as a response, often is we don't say I love you back. We say, I love you more. And then as a response to that, because we're a calm response family, we say, that's for sure. You know, we did this for a while. You know, my mom started doing this, and, and I got agitated at first thinking, and I never said anything to my kids or my mom, but I thought, that's probably not a good idea. 
measuring who loves who in the family, who loves who more, you know, because then eventually somebody's going to ask me, who do I love the most? So I thought about that. And then as I started getting to the word, as I started reading these scriptures, as the Lord made this so clear to me, it became obvious. It means something very different than what it first sounds. It's not I love you more than someone else. It's I love you more today than I did yesterday. It's I love you more because I know you more today. Do you see our love can grow? It will grow every day you get to know someone. I will love my children more each day as they grow up because I will know them. I love my baby when they were born. Jeremy and Shannon, love your two little infants. And, and Matt, you love your little baby, Abigail. But you know so very little about her. And in just a few months, you'll love her more. And in a year, you'll love her even more. In 20 years, you'll think she's the most beautiful thing in the whole wide world. You see, every day we'll love our children more. God loves us more than we could ever be loved because he knows us completely. He knows everything about us. He knows what we think, what we do, what motivates us. He loves you more. You see, he knows it's not enough that he just loves you. He knows he must show you. And so he showed you with his son, Jesus Christ. And there are many people who believe that after Jesus Christ died and went to heaven, that there's no more else that God needs to do and I'll tell you this God does not need to do one more thing in my life he does not need to do one more thing in my life in order for me to serve him and to love him I will serve him and love him if he never says another word to me never does another miracle to me or for me or around me but here's the here's the rub he keeps doing it he keeps healing he keeps changing lives. He keeps providing jobs. He keeps providing children. He keeps transforming those that are suffering. He keeps helping each and every soul that I come in contact with. Sometimes instantly, sometimes that week, sometimes that year. The timing, I don't know, but I will assure you this, that God is at work in this place and he loves you. As we sing this song here, I want you to think about how much he loves you. And I want you to ask yourself this question as the song is playing. If you prefer not to sing and just think, I want you to ask yourself this question. How do I approach life differently knowing that God loves me? Do I wake up in the morning sad, defeated, worried? Or am I not afraid because the master of the universe will take care of me. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.